In an ideal world, I would love to see mental health services that incorporate the family because I find a lot of people of color um, are more so community-based and individual-based. So I would love to be able to bring the family in on services and maybe even provide, you know, group sessions, making sure that their treatment takes their culture into account. Welcome to Wellness in Color on the Mental Health in Minnesota podcast produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Wellness in Color is a podcast series that explores perspectives on mental health to reshape the cultural language of mental illness. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. Subscribe to the podcast and listen on the NAMI Minnesota website or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here is your host, NAMI Minnesota staff member, Caroline Ludi. Welcome to Wellness in Color. Our guest today is Lauren Daniel. Hey, Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. A native of Chicago's South Side, Lauren Daniel describes herself as multifaceted. Living with anxiety and depression, she talks to Wellness in Color on her experiences working in the mental health field as an ARMS, which is an adult rehabilitative mental health services worker, with plans to continue her career as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Eventually, she wants to reconnect back to her roots in Chicago with plans to open up her own clinic. She learns as much from her clients as she does from herself and just wants people to know that empathy starts from within. Her mantra, be empathetic with yourself. Never stop watering your roots. So just a word from um, who we're sponsored by. These efforts were supported by the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences of the National Institutes of Health, award number ul one tr zero zero. 2494. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors. It does not necessarily represent the official views of the National Institutes of Health. So, Lauren, you're an arms worker, mm-hmm. right? So, can you just describe a little bit more about, you know, your role as an arms worker and, okay. and what you do? Okay. Yeah, I've never been able to actually think of a concise definition for when my new clients who've never had these services ask me that question. We do a variety of things. I would say a lot of things are both task and therapeutic based. Mm -hmm. So for some people who have trouble with communication skills, for example, we may spend time working on communicating with different kinds of people, picking up on social cues. If maybe we're working with a client that may be falling on the autism spectrum and does doesn't pick up typical social cues that people pick up on or for some people who have trouble managing their anger, figuring out how to work through their frustration, especially if they're out in public. Mm-hmm. Um, it ranges from doing things like that to accompanying somebody to their medical appointments or going to the social security office or um, going with someone to housing service and helping you know, facilitate that communication between the employees and our clients. It's just a, a whole different range of services. And honestly, we usually tend to leave it up to our clients to decide what they would like to work on. So it's, it's really extensive, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you have your, your hands in a whole host of things, like from housing services mm-hmm. to, it sounds like, employee manage, employment management. Mm-hmm. But what what does it look like specifically 
because you know speaking to your background you know as a black woman yeah um, f- for people of color like how does that differ Ooh. um it's it's actually been very helpful being a woman of color actually because mm-hmm. a number of our clients are people of color mm-hmm. and so my background has actually been very helpful in helping to build rapport with a lot of my clients because some clients who have had other providers in the past have said, you know, that the difference in cultural backgrounds have led to them not feeling as comfortable to open up or has led to clashing in terms of how to approach different situations because um, they're trying to bring they're trying to bring their cultural considerations into treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it also has helped me for advocating for some of my clients because I feel like, unfortunately, sometimes when my clients have gone in the past to try to get certain tasks accomplished because they're a person of color, they were treated a certain way. And so when I come in and have this sort of official title, so to speak, and introduce myself as um, their arms worker, I've I've literally seen the change in attitude in, in some people when I bring up my official title as I'm with my clients. So you think having that you know official title helps it to bring more awareness for that client? Mm-hmm. Um, and then for your role too, does it extend beyond just say, for example, the client's management of their own um, mental health condition? How, how does it work for them in, in terms of understanding how to, the system works, specifically mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. as a person of color? Mm-hmm. You know. I find that I, I find that honesty is the best policy. I try to have very frank but positive conversations that yes, there are a lot of systematic things in place that probably have contributed to where you're at in life right now, but we can absolutely do our best to turn things around and work within the system. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, I know of a lot of clients who've talked about having trouble with medical providers and feeling not listened to and so alerting them, for example, that you can tell different doctors when they refuse to, you know, order a certain test or order a certain medication because you feel you feel something within your body to make sure that they document that as a refusal so that if down the line you want to file a complaint or anything like that, there'll be a paper trail showing that you clearly asked for certain services and you were denied those services. So just then going, coming back to you, um, mm-hmm. how did you get involved in the mental health field specifically? Um, well, I majored in psychology and public health at the University of Minnesota. And I have had an active interest in mental health for most of my life, considering I have struggled most of my life with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And I realized through my research and things of that nature that I weren't seeing a lot of, I wasn't seeing a lot of people who look like me. Um, And so knowing from my own personal experience how important that was 
in my journey, I realized that there need to be more people of color getting into the mental health field, which led to, you know, my majoring in psychology. And I actually happened upon arms work specifically. I was just searching on Indeed for different jobs after I graduated, kind of panicking about getting a real world job. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I read the job description, I thought it was a really good fit in terms of transitioning from um, what I was doing with ACR Homes at the time uh, to mental health specifically. And so now as your background, you said that you wanted to see more people that, of course, that look like you, but mm. how has that come late in your own experience? It's been, it's sort of a catch-22 because I'm a very empathetic person uh, to the point that sometimes it's actually kind of annoying, in mm-hmm. my opinion, how empathetic I am towards um, people. But so sometimes when I hear clients' stories about everything they've been through, I'm just, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I could do so much or undo all the things that have been done, but of course I can't. I can only help with what I can help with. But it's also been so, I've been so grateful for people willing to share these stories with me. And it's been so helpful in my own journey with mental health because when I am struggling, I think about all the different clients I've had in the past who they've had a whole different range of life experiences and they still try to find a way to go on so so now then with your own experiences living with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. I think one of the key things that still to me is you talk about empathy Uh, a lot of times I feel for people who are living with any mental health Mm -hmm. you know condition and Mm -hmm. really the key is empathy because Mm -hmm. if they don't have that support it's kind of that first step towards not getting better Right, right. in a sense so I don't know if we can be too empathetic I think that's great you know mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly but then now living with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. how has that how have you been able to support yourself it's very easy to uh, lose sight of your self care in a job like this because for example since I drive to my clients that often means that I don't have a designated lunch break or you know if I don't constantly have a water bottle next to me I could go almost all day without drinking water and so it's been helpful to have staff meetings where we all kind of support each other through different cases and provide feedback and making sure that I prioritize my self-care um my super one of my supervisors actually provided a great piece of advice last week she said don't work harder than your clients because you know at the end of the day even though you are supposed to be helping them they're ultimately the ones who have to every day implement uh, what we work with them on so that's another way i've been helping to keep my mental health in check and not get so overwhelmed with all the needs of other people, both 
in my professional life and personal life because I'm also a person who people tend to tell everything to and mm-hmm. get advice from so because of the empathy yes <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. that I guess that's what I meant when I was saying that sometimes empathy can be annoying because mm-hmm. it, it can some it's sometimes led to me putting myself low on the totem pole mm-hmm. so yeah. so in that case saying because you also said that you know never stop watering your roots mm-hmm. so what does that mean in relation to not only your own personal life but then professional life mm-hmm. and helping support clients oh well professionally watering my roots means don't lose sight of what I came into this field for because I feel like it's very easy to get burnt out mm-hmm. uh, especially depending on how many people you have in your caseload or whatever field you're working in in terms of nonprofit and just services where you're trying to help people it's very easy to get burnt out and um, I know for some people it may have even led to resentment or starting to treat clients residents a different way so watering my roots for my professional life means just reflecting on why I got into this field and to not take things personally when things don't go very well. For personal life, watering my roots means just keeping sight of who I am at my core because of course you naturally as a person want to be constantly evolving but I also want to make sure that I don't wake up one day 20 years from now and wonder how did I even get here I don't even know who I am mm-hmm. um so and who yeah. are you then right now oh <laughs> I don't know, be a really big question but how would you describe yourself oh how would I describe myself uh I would say I'm a pretty introverted I'm also both very analytical and emotional at the same time so my emotions will lead to me having certain desires but my analytical mind helps me actually put an action plan into place to get those things done however sometimes being analytical will sometimes lead to me thinking of a thousand different ways things could go wrong so I I've been trying to make sure that I keep a lid on how analytical and emotional I can be at times. Do you think that um, is a positive for your interaction, say, with your clients, specifically as well, populations of color? Or are there some things that, you know, even as a black woman, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't really resonate in conjunction with the person's background? Mm, Okay. Um, I find that with my clients of color, things really resonate. Um, Sometimes it's harder for my, with my other clients, just because of, you know, sometimes certain comments are made that Mm -hmm. unknowingly are probably offensive or things like that. And I try to just think on my feet in terms of 
how much rapport have I built with that person? How open are they to constructive criticism? You know, is this an appropriate time to bring it up or should I wait until a different time? Or is it even worth it to have this conversation? So I find that I don't have a one size fits all in terms of how I interact with my clients. Yeah. Uh, well, there shouldn't be, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you said also too that your your future plans are you know to open up your own clinic mm-hmm. um, and work as a psychiatric mm-hmm. um, nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. What do you envision for that uh, goal? Well, every time I think about it, I envision um, this specific street on the South Side Western. Uh, there used to be a lot of different clinics there and I saw as I got older especially after a little bit after Rahm Emanuel got elected as mayor that a lot of those clinics were closing and Mm -hmm. so that led to a exponential increase of homeless um, just on the streets and ending up being cycling cycling in and out of the prison system um, when obviously they need help in terms of mental health services, problems with substance use, obviously being homeless is a major issue. So, um, and I I think the perception is a lot of those people, you know, they just wanna get assistance, never do anything. But I've I've found in my experience, a lot of those people, they want to work, they want to, be doing something substantial with their lives and there are just different obstacles getting in the way or maybe they're at a point where their bodies physically just can't really sustain that lifestyle so when I picture the clinic I picture something that's sliding scale low cost for people who you know have basic insurance things of that nature um trying to work with people who have no insurance because that's a pretty big problem as well a lot of people with no insurance feel like they can't go anywhere because Mm -hmm. then they're gonna get this you know three four figure bill for pretty simple services so i picture that i picture having a range of providers not only in specialty but in terms of background, socioeconomic background, um, culture, gender, Mm -hmm. just so that it can be more reflective of the population that we're serving. Because you think for a lot of the population, I don't want to generalize, but I think people don't seek services because you said before, initially, you want somebody that looks like you. Mm -hmm. But even if, say, somebody doesn't look like that individual maybe it's somebody that you know thinks like them as well too but mm-hmm. how can that be incorporated in this type of environment if that person's not aware like how can it be more accessible for an individual who knows nothing about services you think that's a great question um because i've actually found that when i sometimes go to visit some of my clients in their homes if they're in a halfway house or things like that and you know, roommates or housemates see them and they're like, oh, what is this? Because they've never even heard of these kinds of services. So that's actually a great question. I think it starts with destigmatizing mental health 
I think that's been a major roadblock in being able to get that accessibility out there and being able to advertise uh, resources that are available because a lot of times they're um, kept within the confines of spaces that are specifically for mental health or um, that are part of a system that helps cater to mental health. So I think if it becomes not as stigmatized, it'll be leading to, you know, more schools and um, places of work, putting these resources out there for people to know about them. And of course, I think word of mouth is one yes. of the greatest forms of advertisement. So that's why we strive to provide great services to our clients because then they recommend it to their family members who recommend it to their friends and et cetera, et cetera. So in your ideal world, mm -hmm. if somebody was coming to you as a person of color, mm -hmm. what mental health services would you like to see for them? Uh, in an ideal world, I would love to see mental health services that incorporate the family mm -hmm. because I find a lot of people of color um, are more so community-based and individual-based. So I would love to be able to bring the family in on services and maybe even provide, you know, group sessions, mm -hmm. um, for making sure that their treatment takes their culture into account. So, um, I found that means for certain cultures, there's not even a a word for what uh, in Westernized nations calls certain things. There's not even a word for it. So of course, this leads to a sort of back and forth. Um, so having competent interpreters mm -hmm. instead of just direct translating, uh, I only say that because I find that just having a translator, it's kind of a very formal focusing on the grammar instead of uh, taking all the different dialects and street terms into consideration that mm -hmm. an interpreter would be able to pick up on that and say, oh, this is actually what this person was trying to say. So making somebody feel comfortable too yeah. as well. Because a lot of times I think... Uh, just within any medical profession, that the idea of comfort is kind of taken out. It's just seeing the person as this is a patient. Mm -hmm. But how can we incorporate, you know, their cultures, their values, mm -hmm. you know, who they are mm -hmm. just as a person. Mm -hmm. But then now for you, when you're, you know, dealing with your own um, sources of support, how do you see those services being improved too? Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to have insurance that I can see a provider that is a black woman who is also aware of, who has also treated several people in the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. So the improvement I've seen is being able to look at someone's bio and mm -hmm. see the the topics or um, specialized sort of things that they have dealt with. That's been really helpful. Actually having a picture yeah, <laughs> next yeah. to someone's name has been helpful because mm -hmm. sometimes you look at a name and you're like, 
uh, <laughs> I can't tell what's going on or um, also having in their bio the types of insurance that they take if they have a sliding scale if they're even taking clients because I've I found out the hard way sometimes when you just call someone, they're like, no, sorry, and we're not, I'm not taking anyone for quite some time. So uh, I find that it's really helpful for people to know, you know, whether or not a provider is open to having new clients. And so how has that shaped then your mental wellness in now you've found that person that's fit for you? Mm. Mm -hmm. It's been very helpful because even though I'm introverted and constantly thinking about my own growth, having that outside perspective um, of someone who doesn't have a bias because they don't know you personally mm -hmm. and being able to bring up a perspective where I'm like, what? I've never <laughs> thought of that before, you mm -hmm. know, especially because this is the field that I work in. I guess I, I never thought there would be perspectives that even I didn't consider about myself if that makes sense mm -hmm. so it's been really helpful to have someone you know provide that support and in saying no you you know you weren't overreacting when you had this reaction or calling me out about certain behaviors where I think for example last week my my therapist brought up to me how my being analytical helps me think of 30 different ways to get out of doing things I don't want to do and trying to figure out uh, ways to deal with that. So then what resources do you turn to then? Uh, I turn to my close circle of friends. I turn to music, art, different forms of media uh, as I find that that often unites a lot of people from all different walks of life. Uh, I end up annoying my dog a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so he could be sleeping and I'll just walk up and say, I love you and yeah. hug him and he'll just look like, eh, whatever, okay. Or uh, even sometimes when I've been crying, uh, he, he somehow senses it and will lay in my yeah. lap and just continue to sit there until uh I feel better yeah. and I've act, and I've found that to be true with a lot of people who struggle with different mental illnesses who have pets too it's been a huge source of comfort and it it gives us sort of a reason to wake up in the morning for yeah. those of us who deal with the depression because you know we don't want to take care of ourselves but then we realize we're responsible for another uh, life so then we have to get up to feed them or take them for a walk or whatever it is that's included in their care so then ultimately what else do you see for you know just yourself as you continue mm -hmm. with your you know your mental health journey uh, I see a lot of TED talks probably in my future <laughs> yeah uh, that's a new trend I've been getting into. I love looking at TED Talks or I love, you know, panels or mm -hmm. just different things that you could easily look up on YouTube or Google for different topics that people of color um, 
can discuss and can bring in those nuances of having these intersectional identities um, to different topics that sometimes if you just look at the the mainstream well more so westernized take on it you you look at it and you think this isn't really fitting for me and my life so I find that's been really helpful in advancing my mental health journey is actually seeking out sources uh, for people of color by people of color mm-hmm. yeah and what other sources you think does does that look like uh well for example you know hair care Mm -hmm. uh i recently joined a facebook group uh on skincare for people of color that has just revolutionized how i think about my skincare don't mind sharing because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would like to hear as a person of color as well as a, as a black woman <laughs> uh, it's called oh my gosh it's called skincare for poc they're not taking new members for mm-hmm. about 30 days but after that they should be taking new people but so i need oh. to hear that <laughs> <laughs> yes please uh, after uh, that time is up please join that group it's mm-hmm. so great because you know people talk about different products they talk about what kind of skin type they have they talk Mm -hmm. about fungal acne which i didn't even know was a thing until this group they talk about uh different sunscreens for people of color that don't leave you looking like a ghost (laughs) after you apply it and Mm -hmm. chemical sunscreen versus physical sunscreen which again i didn't even know there was a difference until i joined that group myself included (laughs) (laughs) exactly so and uh, I also before joining that group, I think I was ignorant in SPF because growing up, my mom always applied it. But then as I got older, I thought, wait a minute, I have melanin. I don't need to do this. <laughs> and so that's been really helpful to be like, oh, no, actually, it makes you a lot more susceptible to skin cancer and hyperpigmentation, which mm-hmm. has been a problem I've dealt with with my skin for a while. So I thought, oh that makes a lot of sense so having spaces like that have been incredibly helpful and i actually just created um a hair care group on facebook for women of color by uh, after being inspired by that skincare group because Mm -hmm. i find a lot it seems like a lot of women of color in my experience we either are stalking youtube (laughs) Uh, stop each other in the street, ask each other about stuff, or if we're in a space to be able to talk about it. Um, But sometimes just looking at Google or YouTube reviews, you're like, oh, you know, this person's being sponsored. I don't know if this actually (laughs) works. I need need to know from real people if this will work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I created for a variety of hairstyles, so for natural hair, for women who wear wigs, have locks, wear weaves, because um, sometimes we just wanna pop a wig on or do all these different things, but we're not really nourishing our actual hair. So, yeah. So your self-care also involves, you know, skincare. <laughs> yes. But, you know, just connecting with people of the community, too, mm-hmm. you know, because that's important beyond, of course, therapy as well, which for you, 
mm-hmm. has worked for you. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that, you know, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people just think of for their mental health um, recovery or support, that's either, you know, therapy or, um, of course, medication as well, too, um, mm-hmm. which for many people has worked as um, treatment therapies. But it, for a lot of people, it goes beyond that, too, right? Yeah. 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 So. I've, I really love communicating with my clients that it doesn't have to be always therapy or medications which as you said it works great for a bunch of people there's a lot of evidence that backs it up and I'm not putting that down at all but there are also other resources that people can lean back on I mean I know first a lot of people going to church or finding um that group um, in regards to their faith has been very helpful. Um, A lot of people, again, as you mentioned before, investing in their Mm self-care, you know, finding out those products that work good for their skin and actually taking those five minutes to engage in a, a hair care routine or not putting heat in their hair anymore and trying to figure out different ways to style it or um, using protective styles and kind of using that as a form of expression because you know when you look good you feel good sort of very true (laughs) so yeah so um i just encourage everyone to do what works best for them and if someone has something to say about it they're not you you know you know what has the best effect for you lauren thank you so much i appreciate our conversation oh yeah thank you for having me for additional resources related to this episode please check the podcast show notes and visit nami minnesota online at namimn.org you've been listening to wellness in color on the mental health in minnesota podcast produced by nami minnesota